In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A couple of Saturdays ago, uh, two or three of us from Holy Trinity uh, joined others from the diocese up in Poughkeepsie for the Global Missions Fair. It was a kind of all-day Saturday event. And it was held at Christ Church Poughkeepsie, a church I'd never been to before. Uh, Christ Church goes way back. It was founded in the 1760s. It received its royal charter from King George in 1773. It goes back. Um, They're currently in their third building, and the current building was built in 1888. It's this wonderful Gothic mixture of wood and glass and color and texture. I promise I didn't steal anything, but I did think about it. I love the red walls of the interior worship space, and I especially envied how they had built a kitchen off their social hall, and it was sort of separated from the social area by this this beautiful wood, um, wood and glass wall that looked really professional and nice. There were other things I didn't like as much as here like when I was trying to find the restroom and I knew where it ought to be given the way a church is laid out and it wasn't there. I spent the better part of the morning noticing their stained glass, ours is better, (laughs) but then admiring how their worship space, while not as grand as ours, was much more flexible. They could do more with it, like the meeting we were attending. Their church is a little bit suburban. Um, It's out of the the, the walking distance of the train. Ours is in the middle of a busy city, which I love. On and on I went with my comparisons until I began to kind of notice how much energy I was wasting (laughs) comparing their church to our church. I thought, what if I put my mind on hold And maybe just enjoy where I am. (laughs) What if I actually listen to what's being said and engage the people around me? I began to realize that I was missing a lot by making all these comparisons. I've been thinking about that this week as I've mulled over this gospel about comparisons. How often do we compare ourselves to other people? for better or for worse, with what someone's wearing or how they're dressed or how they speak or where they went to school or how much schooling they did. On and on we can go. Sometimes it's done innocently enough just as we sort of find our own place in a new situation. But other times other motivations sneak in to to help us inflate our own sense of ourselves when we're feeling a little insecure, perhaps. It was the diplomat and economist Dag Hammarskjöld who wrote, to be humble is not to make comparisons. He wrote, humility is just as much the opposite of self-abasement as it is of self-exaltation. To be humble is not to make comparisons. 
Secure in its reality, the self is neither better nor worse, bigger nor smaller than anything else in the universe. Imagine what Dog Hammarskjöld would say about Instagram. (laughs) While I certainly don't claim that kind of humility, I do think Hammarskjöld's words speak to my own experience of, of needing to compare my own church, my own self, on and on and on with others. And Hammarskjöld's words speak to today's gospel. The gospel reminds us to be careful in making hasty comparisons. Jesus is not, to start with, calling us to compare ourselves with either the Pharisee or the tax collector in the gospel. Instead, Jesus wants us to try to move beyond making these knee-jerk, immediate, gut-response comparisons to begin to depend on the grace of God. Perhaps we may be familiar with the idea of a Pharisee. Those of us who've grown up in churches, we've heard about the Pharisees as long as we can remember. Then we usually hear about the Pharisees in a negative way. Whoever thought of a kind or generous Pharisee? It's hard to imagine a female Pharisee. But the fact is the majority of the Pharisees were probably really good people. They were hardworking, they were law-abiding, they were giving, praying, doing believers who tried as best they could to follow the ways of God as the book of the law of Israel had given to them. And the Pharisee in today's gospel gives thanks for who he is. I don't think his prayer is so much boastful as it is factual. He's simply repeating what he's done. He's undertaking a kind of spiritual examine, reviewing his day, reviewing his week. Where did God show up? Where did God not show up? And so he comes up with this sort of inventory of works. He fasted twice a week. He's tithed. He's given at least a tenth of all that he has. He's an upstanding member of the community. And so in our day, the Pharisee would most likely be in church on a rainy Sunday morning. The Pharisee would be serving on community boards, attending PTSA meetings, coaching soccer, probably volunteering for charities and running in a marathon. If you picture respectability, then you get the picture of the Pharisee. And it's wrong for us to assume that this is just a veneer. The Pharisee feels strongly about his or her beliefs, takes their commitments seriously, and lives out of those values. The tax collector, on the other hand, is a traitor, by definition, in Jesus' day. Palestine at this point was under Roman occupation, and so the tax collector was a Jew who was collecting money from his own people to send it to the Roman state. And so tax collectors were the lowest of the low. They were the total sellouts. They were no good in the popular imagination. They were thought to be liars and cheats, greedy and only interested in themselves. In our gospel, the Pharisee thanks God for all the gifts God has given him. But the tax collector, strange that he'd even wander into the temple to begin with, The tax collector asks for nothing but the mercy of God. 
There's no indication that the tax collector has quit his dirty work of tax collecting. He hasn't suddenly decided to take on a new job or follow a different course. Um, Perhaps that's the only thing he can do. Perhaps that's the, the lot he's been given, and he's doing as much as he can to bring in money for his family. We don't know. But what we do hear from Jesus's take on the situation is the humility of the tax collector. The tax collector isn't even sure God will be listening, much less answering his prayer. But he shows up, hoping against hope for mercy. And so the issue here in the gospel is not that the Pharisee is bad and the tax collector is good. It's not that simple. It's not about comparing the good and the honest and the upstanding folk who might be going to church or synagogue with those who aren't. But the point of the gospel comes out in the prayers of the two people. That prayer offered by the Pharisee is is close to a very common prayer offered by any faithful Jew in the temple, with one exception. There's a little word that pops out that's translated in the English as the word like. The Pharisee gives thanks to God that he's not like other people, especially like the tax collector. And so for the Pharisee, what began as gratitude has crossed over into a sense of elitism, something that happens easily whenever we get into we-them language. And so the prayers prayers of the Pharisee are a false prayer as he, he compares himself with the tax collector. Effective prayer reminds us of our complete dependence upon God, That's what the tax collector gets right. Faithful prayer is not a listing of what we've done right or what we've done wrong. The tax collector never loses sight of that. He knows that really he has nothing going for him but the grace of God. And so it's for this reason that Jesus says the tax collector leaves the temple justified, in line with God, made right with God. Those words of Hammerschold again, to be humble is not to make comparisons. That same dynamic plays itself out in our relationships with God and with other people. We're created in community and God loves us as God's very own children. God has created us and each one of us is unique. Each one of us is incomparable. Each one of us lives and dies by the breath of God, nothing more and nothing less. St. Paul writes, each of us is rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue us from every evil attack and save us for God's kingdom. May we aim to resist the temptation of making comparisons. May the Holy Spirit guide us to rest in the grace, the mercy, and the love of the God who sustains us and who keeps us alive. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.